When it comes to boss design, there's one core concept in my mind. Video game bosses should both mirror and build upon the prior themes from the earlier gameplay, providing a proper conclusion to that bit of play. But when different genre terms are thrown into this mix, this guideline can get fuzzy. Simply chucking in phrases like open world, sandbox, or non-linear forces a whole different perspective on this topic. And this is exactly what birds the curious cases of games such as Mojang's juggernaut Minecraft. First releasing to the public back in 2009, this title has since been synonymous with the key idea of building your own story, wherever that may take you. And for the first couple years of its life, it stayed fairly conservative in its adherence to this concept. But in 2011, in the few remaining updates before the game's official release, the dev team beefed it up to a whole different direction with the announced addition of the game's first boss, the Rack Rakentba, or Ender Dragon if you use an ROT-13 cipher. Watching over the endgame hidden realm with a fittingly named end dimension, this boss sets up a whole new challenge for players to strive toward. And with plenty of updates following the game's 1.0 version, more battles like this are now provided for the player. But if we look at these bosses through the earlier mentioned lens of theme conclusion, do they stack up? Or are they just there to tick off a common checkbox in game design? That's what we're here to talk about today. Hey ladies and folks, I'm Skip the Tutorial, and this is Boss Battle Breakdown a deep dive into the ins and outs of boss design. And hey, if this is your first time here, why not mind that subscribe for new insights every week? So for our purposes today, I want to focus in on the Ender Dragon and Wither boss fights. Now, I'm sure some veteran crafters out there are curious as to the omission of the Ocean Monument's Elder Guardian mob. To be perfectly honest, it's sort of a black sheep in this category. Missing the signature health bar along the top of the screen that the other two monsters have, this goofy fish thing really just comes across as a simply stronger version of the regular Guardian mobs that spawn in the underwater temple. And while you can fight each of these enemies in respective rematches, your second and third encounter with an elder doesn't hold the same weight when it occurs literally within the same temple. So even if their mining fatigue curse can cause some comical jump scares along the way, I believe their higher spawn numbers and more common appearance holds them back from hitting the same level as the other two fights do. Kicking off with the first boss introduced into the game, let's take a look at the notorious Ender Dragon fight. From a preparation standpoint, the requirements to reach this boss are fairly endgame as it is with the player having to discover the hidden portal room inside of an already tucked away randomly generating stronghold dungeon. After your long nights of enderman farming with a looting two sword and clinging to dear life just to snag a couple extra blaze rods from the nether, use your freshly crafted eyes of ender to activate the portal and enter the game's third dimension. The end. From the moment the chunks load in around you, it's pretty apparent that this region is vastly different to the areas you've explored prior. Heck, even the literal hell of the nether featured more vibrancy and life than this place. After constructing your cobblestone bridge over to the endstone mainland of the surreal floating island, you come across a place entirely inhabited by the unsettlingly lanky enderman mobs, which can cause massive damage if you give them the wrong look. On this desolate island, you're finally approached by your main target, the gigantic ender dragon which serves as a key antithesis to the very themes of your earlier play. Through her use of the swoop attack, this blocky monstrosity will wipe out any blocks that are native to her domain like dust off a table. Because of this, the player's building capabilities take on a new foreign feel, as suddenly you can't trust the longevity in anything you've laid out. Furthermore, your bow with this beast takes place entirely above the threat of the void an abyss threshold which eats up all items and never gives them back. And believe me, this boss will try her absolute darndest to chuck you straight into it, featuring intense amounts of knockback on her dive bomb and fire breath attacks. Under these newly contrasting conditions, the player has to destroy several end crystals that source the boss with health in order to open up your capabilities to deliver that final blow. And overall, this fight is so peculiar to me because of how much it plays against to what the players experienced in their earlier mob encounters. Since your only options out of the dimension are either victory or death, the fight brings with it an unprecedented amount of planning necessity. 
making sure players come packing every single bit they need for a successful run through, or else it's back to the drawing board. The firm lack of blocks and resources in the arena support this as well, since you're not going to be in much of a position to collect and craft your way out of a sticky situation. So when it comes to building upon the themes of the earlier game's explorative and emergent playstyles, I would argue that the staunch limitations within this fight run counter that whole concept and create a greater divide between the other hours of play and this battle because of it. On top of the Ender Dragon, however, the game also features another key boss, the Wither, a sort of three-headed flying demon that's been around since the game's pretty scary update in 1.4.2. Just looking at the circumstances needed to begin this fight, clear distinctions already arise between the two boss mobs. In this case, the Wither's spawn is entirely up to the player's discretion. After spending some long, arduous hours to collect the three necessary Wither Skeleton Skull Drops and picking up some Soul Sand on the way back to your Nether Portal, you finally have the materials necessary to summon this new foe. But where the Ender Dragon lived in a set domain that you trespass into, the Wither comes to life wherever you choose to animate it, being in a tundra, a mesa biome, or even the very pits of the Nether. After laying that final skull upon the T-shaped Soul Sand build, the boss comes to life with a regeneration phase as its health rapidly climbs to full and any experienced players will know this as your cue to get out of the blast radius. Once the battle kicks off, the boss will target any nearby being with a pulse and bombard blast them with skull projectiles that obscure your health bar and leave a lingering poison. And as this boss sets off to leave a path of destruction in its wake, it's your job as the player to step up with your trusty bow and whittle down its health bar before the entire landscape is terraformed into oblivion. However, don't get too comfortable with your power 5 sniper, since when the wither enters its second phase in the lower half of its health, it chucks on its trusty armor and becomes immune to all arrows and potions. And suddenly the fight takes to melee ground combat. With this flow, I think this battle emanates the game's themes in a much more obvious way than the Ender Dragon. By giving the player the ability to summon the boss in any location, there's a much greater open-ended sense to how you approach this fight. Especially since you're given full range to lay out preparations and traps on your terms before spawning the boss. In addition, I think the stakes added with letting this beast loose fit more in line with how the earlier game progresses, trading in the threat of the void for the destruction of the nearby ecosystem, which allows for a greater incentive on the player's side to defeat the mob swiftly and effectively. And when there's a potential to gain your items back after death, you better believe there's a drive to stick with the fight just from this chance to regroup. So which fight makes for a better conclusion? The grandiose sabotage of the Ender Dragon in her domain, or the self-imposed hunt of the Wither? Well, I would say neither. And I think that's the point. In both examples, there's no huge celebration, no cutscenes, no credits, just a death animation and some loot. Some players might bring up that the Ender Dragon does conclude with credits. But I think that purposeful gap between the final shot and the hop through the end fountain really goes to show that this isn't intended as any form of conclusion. Heck, if you want to head through the end gateway portal over to an end city, it's far from it. But even if you hop through the exit, you'll still just continue playing on the other end of your overworld spawn location. Really, I think the best way these fights fill the game's themes is by being entirely optional. If your whole goal in your survival world is just to build up a sweet mansion using only your array of wood tools, that's completely okay, and doesn't serve up any less of a complete experience. If we go back to our earlier concept of building your own story, then there's no better way for the designers to facilitate that to the player than by giving them full range to entirely avoid the boss. Or conversely, they can rematch and take it on again. So do the bosses in Minecraft just serve to check off a box on the feature list? Sure, but it's through their optional inclusion that they truly nail the game's themes in the long run. Because in the end, it all comes down to how they fit in the story that you craft along the way.